So this morning, uh, we, we are celebrating fatherhood, you could say. Uh, we are celebrating fathers, and uh, I, I did prepare a message specifically for that, for today is Father's Day. And so before we do, though, before we get into the message, um, I do want to say that, yes, it's a blessing to be called father, dad, daddy, all of those things, all of the above. It is a blessing, but it's also a tremendous responsibility. And um, those go, go hand in hand. And so for that reason, I want to ask all dads, all fathers to rise to your feet, moms, kids, everyone, I'd like for you to lay hands on them nicely because we're going to pray for them. All right. They, they, they need, uh, we need your prayers. Definitely. All right. So let's take a moment and do just that. Father, we are truly thankful, Lord, that we can, we can look to you and you are the perfect example of what it is to be a father. Uh, there's no guesswork. Lord, you lay it all out before us. And yet, we are faulty people because of sin. And so we ask that you would pour out upon us your wisdom, your discernment, your spirit, that we would walk in a manner that is worthy of salvation to be disciples of Jesus Christ, to be followers. And yet, in that, that we would be wise and discerning in our roles as fathers. That we would bless our wives and our children, others around us, Lord, that are looking to us to be that example of fatherhood that is so needed, especially at this time, in the history of the world. When so many men are faltering, are not taking their role seriously, I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen each and every man here, crown them with wisdom, truly fill them with your spirit to overflowing. May they be strong men in the faith. May they walk uprightly before you. May they fear nothing and no one but you. And may they be a blessing to all who come in contact with them. We thank you, Lord. We bless you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. All right, so a legacy. I I think that word is used a lot. Uh, especially like men, you know, we, we bring it up. In fact, our, our men's ministry, it's, uh, it's legacy men's ministry. Uh, and, and I think it's because we do, deep down, desire to leave a lasting legacy to our children and our grandchildren, and hopefully it'll last through the generations, that our impact in, in the world would be one that, that continues to echo. As long as... Uh, the Lord tarries, you know, may we continue to, to be those men that we, that we know family members can look to and enjoy the legacy that we have left. Now, the title of this morning's message is A Legacy Worth Leaving. And that'll make sense as we, can, we continue on and I explain exactly what a legacy is. 
You see, a legacy is always thought to be, for the most part, something that is positive. But it's not always that way. You see, a legacy can either be an inheritance or it can be a consequence. It can be intentional or it can be unintentional. But regardless of which one it is, we always leave a legacy. Legacy can be an inheritance, which we know to be an endowment or it's a gift that's given to us. An example of this would be a legacy from a great aunt or a father or a mother that's left behind, right? An intentional gifting of something that is good. And that's normally what we have in mind. But legacy can also be a consequence, which is a a spin-off, a repercussion, an aftermath, or a byproduct. An example, or some examples can be the legacy of drug abuse. It could be a legacy of alcohol abuse. It could be a legacy of fits of anger. I mean, just fill in the blank, and all of those things could also be a legacy that we leave for those that we call children, or wives, or really other people who are watching. Think about this. We can't choose to leave a legacy. We just do. So we need to be deliberate about what it is that we're impacting the next generation with. With that thought, I believe that we can never be deliberate enough when it comes to leaving a worthwhile legacy to our children and to our children's children. We should always be conscientious, thinking about this, really aware of our our lives, how we're living them out, the way we're thinking, the things that we're doing. All of that should be uh, really approached with a deliberate conscientious effort because some legacies are not worth passing on but a christian legacy is more than just a positive way of life sometimes we have people who are coming to church just because they want a positive environment something that they can feel good about but let me tell you that christianity is more than more than just that that is actually a byproduct of living a life of faith of following jesus christ Sometimes we preach the very thing that is the product of a life that abides in Jesus Christ. Now, the legacy of Christianity, of faith, is more than just a positive way of life. It is a life-giving legacy at its very core. This morning, we'll take a look at Scripture a section of Scripture that tells us to learn, to know, to live His wisdom, God's wisdom, because as we pass it along to others, and that is to our children, it's a legacy that guides, protects, and gives life all the way through. God's wisdom is a legacy worth passing on. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 through 15 says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom, And the one who gets understanding for the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire 
can compare to her? Nothing. So please turn with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's the fifth book of the Bible. So you start from Genesis and go all the way through five books and you get to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and we're starting in verse 1. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord the God of your fathers has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Father, again, we want to commit this time into your hands. Lord, it is a tall responsibility, a blessing, yes. And yet, Lord, we cannot do it in our own strength. Father, I pray that you would help us to, from your word, glean truth. It's absolute truth. It's not something that changes with the circumstances of our lives or the season of history. It is never changing. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I pray that we would glean from this truth, that we would apply this to our lives, to your glory, and to the benefit of us, your people. Help us also to understand that the influence that we can have, and we do have on others, is something that we can either encourage or discourage, that we can either breathe life into others or be a person who slowly takes it away. I pray, Father, that we would be the former, that we would be life-giving vessels, that as we glean from your wisdom, glean from your word, and apply it to our lives, that we would be those people who, like these verses say, we would teach and we would encourage and your word would always be on the tip of our tongue because we meditate on that which is good and righteous and holy. That which brings life. That which points to you. And so, Lord, we commit this morning into your hands and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Christianity. Christianity is faith of action. You see, to learn, to apply, and to teach all requires deliberate action. Twice Moses writes that we are to do the commandments of the Lord, and once he writes to keep them. 
Moses was the father to Israel, and he was commanded to teach the word to this nation. Can you imagine? I mean, Moses, he had over two million people that he was commanded as he was given the law to teach, to pass it along to them. That, that was a big responsibility. And yet it was given by God to Moses to pass along. These were not suggestions. They were commandments. They were to follow these words of God. It was his responsibility, but he couldn't have been an effective teacher without being a doer himself, learning it himself, applying it himself, living out the word of God in his own life. Can you imagine if Moses were to go up before everyone? Hear now, everyone, listen to what I have to say. The Lord has given me this word. Please do as I say, not as I do. So this is what God says for you to do. Can you imagine? That'd be horrible, right? You're like, meh, discredit it. He's a... Uh, He's a fake, whatever, you know, the list goes on and on. But how many times do we do that in our own lives? This is the word, and yet we ourselves are not following it the way, really, we should. And let me tell you something, that the commandments of God are not burdensome to the child of God. They're just, they're not. The whole thing is that we respond to God's love. We love because he first loved us. And so as we follow his commands, as we follow his word, it's a blessing. It's a response. It's a proper response as a living sacrifice unto the Lord, willingly and joyfully submitting and surrendering to the will of the Father, just as the Son did, following it out perfectly, so we ought to with joyful hearts. But Moses couldn't have been an effective teacher without himself being a doer of the word himself. As fathers, we won't be very effective if we say one thing to our children and do another. Chuck Swindoll writes, quote, You want to mess up the minds of your children? Here's how. Guaranteed. Rear them in a legalistic, tight context of external religion where performance is more important than reality. Fake your faith. Sneak around and pretend your spirituality. Train your children to do the same. Embrace a long list of do's and don'ts publicly, but hypocritically practice them privately. Yet never own up to the fact that it's hypocrisy. Act one way, but live another. And you can count on it. Emotional and spiritual damage will occur. Close quote. And I, I agree wholeheartedly. That's again, that, that's outside of Jesus Christ. There is not one man that has walked this earth that has been perfect. Not one. And that is why, as, as I, I read that quote by Chuck Swindoll, I'm reminded of the fact that as fathers, our children need to see humility in each and every one of us. That when we make mistakes as fathers that we would be readily willing to say, yes, I, I messed up. That wasn't right. And teach them what it means to repent and to turn. Teach them that. Oh, what a valuable lesson. 
for the rest of their lives, they will remember that. Oh, my dad so loved the Lord that even before us, he was willing to confess his sins and, and to accept his faults. That's being genuine. That's walking out the truth of God's word. That when he says there's none righteous, no, not one, that means that even after we come to Christ, we still make mistakes. And sometimes real big ones. And it's okay to say, I messed up. And ask for forgiveness. Like I tell them, and one of my boys is right here, and he knows, is it enough to just say I'm sorry? No. <laughs> it's not. They've learned that lesson very well. Like, uh, sorry. It's like, hmm. So you, you regret you got caught. <laughs> What's the next word? Will you forgive me? It's still hard for him to say it. See? No. <laughs> it is, you know, but, but those are the words. Will you forgive me? Why? Because you've, you've humbled yourself before someone else. What a posture, though. So you come with that posture, and then you put it, you put it all on the other person. Whether they forgive you or not, at that point, it's, it's all on them, right? But what a humble posture. That's being genuine before God, and it's being genuine before others, because you're genuine before God. And be consistent about it. Okay, let's talk about uh, God's command to Father. This was a command. This was not a suggestion to Moses, the father of the, the law, Right? There was not a suggestion to teach this to the people of Israel. It was a command that was given to him. Back in verse 1, we'll read the first three verses again. The first portion here. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son, and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. So three things here. Learn, do, and keep. Learn, do, and keep. We're going to go through those three words. Moses was given the command by God to teach his word to Israel. But you can't teach something you don't yourself understand. Have you ever tried to do that? I have. It's like, I don't fully understand this, but I'm going to try and teach it to you. But just don't ask me any questions whatsoever. Because <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> it's really hard to teach. It is. If you yourself don't understand it. So Moses had to understand the word himself in order to teach it effectively. This command to teach wasn't just so they would possess some good knowledge, but that they would be prepared to possess the promised land. They would enter in and be a people who were successful in the promised land, in the very place that God had designed for them. God has a place for each and every one of you in life to walk in. And that's the abundant life that is found in Jesus Christ. And he gives us these commands. He gives us his word that we may come to know his word and that we may 
journey through life in the abundant life in Jesus Christ. It wasn't just to give them a bunch of knowledge. Sometimes we can come to study that way. You know, it's like we have all this head knowledge. We have all of this that we know, and we can even, you know, show ourselves, you know, to be like really knowledgeable in front of other people. But it really doesn't matter if you yourself are failing in applying this in life. Really. That's not wisdom. That's just knowledge. Wisdom is rightly applying knowledge. That's what it is. And by the way, this is preparing, this was preparing Israel to walk in the promised land, to, to live in the promised land, no matter what circumstances they're experiencing at the moment. You see, God was preparing them to go into the promised land, and he was also, as we learned on Wednesday, at the beginning of Numbers, he was numbering them, he was Uh, having Moses and Aaron take a census of all the people, of all the males, 20 and older, to prepare them for battle. They were going into the promised land. But he was preparing them to go in, knowing that there were going to be battles to be fought. In life, we can still be joyful. We can still be at peace with the Lord. We can have strength, we can have comfort, we can have hope, we can have all of those things in spite of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. That is truly amazing. And that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Only. Why? Because there's something beyond. There's a hope and a glory that goes way beyond our present circumstances. You find yourself in, financial, in a financial bind? That's okay. This is just temporary. We can make it beyond this. You have something going on with your family? That's okay. We can look beyond this. And we can still be joyful knowing that we belong to God through Christ Jesus our Lord. There's something beyond. They were being taught that very thing. And we need to learn that lesson ourselves. Yeah, there are sorrowful times. There is time of pain. But we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. No, that's what the word says. Let's talk about learning. In America, we do not have any excuse for not being able to learn the word of God. I mean, there are apps on your phone that you can download for free, gratis. And the word of God is at your fingertips. You have a smartphone, you can have the Bible. There are probably multiple Bibles in your home. Um, You can get them for free. You can pick them up here. I mean, Bibles are in abundance everywhere. They are to serve as sources of life and wisdom, not as bookends or table ornaments. You know, I remember growing up, we had this big white Bible. And we weren't church-going people. We, We were cheesters, so we'd go on Christmas and Easter and sometimes funerals and, you know, other thing. I know, they're called... Uh, what CEOs or whatever, you know, and that's what I was. But we had this big old Bible, and in order to read it, I'd have to blow off the dust, crack it open, and every now I would open it because I was, I don't know, there was something within me that was interested in what the Bible had to say. But as I read it, it just, to me at that point, because I didn't have the spirit, I didn't understand it. 
But it's amazing that when I did come to the Lord and when I, when I was saved, I, I understood it. It's like, wow, I, I never knew this is what it said. Well, you got to read it, number one. <laughs> number two, you need to have God's Spirit. One of His works is to give you understanding of the Word. It's pretty amazing. But we have Bibles everywhere. They need to be open. They need to be read. They need to be studied. A, a closed Bible doesn't benefit anyone whatsoever. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And so we are to be students of the word of God, to know what it says, to understand it, and then apply it to our lives. And the only way you're going to learn the word of God is to read it for yourself. No one can do that for you. In fact, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So number one, we need to learn. Secondly, we need to do. We need to act. James 1, says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. There's no one that's fooled. Um, you know, we, we, not only do we come to know the Word of God, to understand the Word of God, but we also need to apply the Word of God, that is, live it out in our own lives. The only people that really we're fooling is is ourselves. But a lot of times, I mean, people know, (laughs) if you were to just be brave enough to ask, um, you would realize that, um, yeah, you're you're not even (laughs) fooling the people around you. Yeah, there's this facade, and it's kind of like, it's not very, very deep. But then there are those who are understanding, learning, applying. And that's what, that's what I'm talking about this morning, is leaving a legacy like that. Something that's much deeper than just on the surface. Something that is really tangible. Something that has some substance to it. Again, I remind you that God tells us twice in these verses to do His commandments. It's not enough just to come on Sundays and hear the Word of God taught, explained, and exhorted. You're exhorted to live it out if it doesn't impact your life in a personal way. As you learn the Word, God commands us to do all that He tells us. And by the way, this happens Monday through Sunday, all seven days of the week. Moses puts it this way, keeping all His statutes and His commandments, which I command you all the days of your life. This uh, activity of a Christian should be taking place every day. Not just some days, not just every once in a while, but every day. Consistency speaks loudly to your children that you, are, uh, that you belong to God in every moment of every day. And again, that's a legacy worth leaving. So number one, learn. Number two, do. Number three, keep. When you keep something, you take great care in being consistent with and being mindful of whatever you have committed and devoted yourself to follow. It speaks of a way of life, not something in life, and not just a checklist of do's and don'ts that can be checked off to feel good about yourselves every, every once in a while. It's what life is. It speaks of an ongoing, never-ending action that isn't dependent on circumstances. In fact, you bear down and guard it even more when things don't seem to be going so well. 
You know, that especially is the time when parents need to bear down even more, draw closer to the Lord, cling to Him, and surrender to Him, continuing on walking out your faith in your lives. This is when things aren't going so well. Because you know that little eyes are looking at you. And let me tell you that if, if, you, if you're not a father here, not a mother, there are still people around you that are either encouraged or discouraged by you. They're watching. Let me tell you that growing up at the age of 11, uh, my father left. Um, and so I was, I was always looking for that um, father figure. Most of you know, know the story, my story. And so I was looking. I was trying to figure out, well, who, who could I look to to be that, that person that I could follow, that I could really um, emulate, you know? And unfortunately, I, I, didn't, I didn't pick too good of men in my life, and I emulated them, but it wasn't good. But the impact that a few men did have in my life. As I look back, in fact, there's a man that right now is on the East Coast, and um, he was my coach in baseball. He is now a pastor. And um, Bill Garten, Coach Bill Garten, and he was a huge influence on my life. And now he is one of those father figures in my life to where... Every once in a while on, on Facebook, he'll shoot me a message of praying for you, encouraging me in, in, in some way, shape, or form. It's truly a blessing. You never know how you can impact a life. Looking back, he knows what I was going through. I remember him encouraging my mom and my brother and my sister and just being there for me. And it was just truly amazing. He was not my father, but he was a man that was willing to step in, in a way, and have influence in my life and an impact that I still remember to this day. You never know. You never know. Are you a fair-weather Christian who only lives the word when things are going good? Or do you demonstrate A consistency in keeping the word even when bad things happen. That is a very valid question. That is something that we need to think about. Tom was talking about repentance. There are many things that we need to repent of. That means a complete turn from and then going toward the truth, the word of God, and walking that out. So fathers, mothers, grandparents, leave a legacy of learning. Doing, keeping the word of God, it's more precious to our children than gold and silver. As we read out in scripture in this section before we started. So, secondly, God's command to teach, verses 4 through 9. So this is how it, how it is to be taught. Not just in word, not only in personally learning and doing but also in practical ways. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And how is that? You know, sometimes it's like, well, 
the word is in my heart. Well, how does it come out? Well, this is how. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The reason... I believe so many parents don't teach the Word of God to their children is because they fail to take advantage of the obvious opportunities before them. And a lot of times it's for this reason. And even though we don't say it, and it's a shame, I don't have the time. We're so busy that even though it doesn't come out of our mouths, it is brought about by our our very own actions. We just, we don't have the time. A personal relationship with the Word, again, is evident to those around you. So we need to understand that this is the practical, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is something that we can do. We ought to do. We're commanded to do. We know that it echoes through generations. It has a lasting impact. And we shouldn't take it lightly. So be a lifelong learner of the word. You can't teach again what you don't know. The first thing that God commands Moses to write is, you shall. It's not anyone else. It's you shall. It's personal. It's direct. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. So it begins with you. It's not anyone else. It's you. Your relationship with Jesus is vital and critical to teaching others and especially your children what it is to have a relationship with him. It's like, what does it look like in your life? Are you walking out that faith? Applying what you know. First, it's by observation. Secondly, they hear some words coming out of your mouth. And are those two matching? Then you gain trust, validity, respectability, like all those things come together. We are commissioned to make disciples of all nations. That is the great commission, to teach others to observe all that God has commanded us, according to Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. And we can't do this effectively if we are not wholly surrendered to God as Lord in our own lives. We are to be hiding God's word in our hearts that we may not sin against him. Psalm 119, 11, right? The Word of God and a relationship with Jesus serves as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Is that Psalm 119, 105, right? Is that right? (laughs) I'm testing you guys. You guys still with me? You guys okay? You guys all right? All right. Every once in a while, you, you can respond. Just don't get crazy, but... You guys understanding what I'm saying so far? Hope hope it's serving as an encouragement to you. Okay? We need to allow the Word of God to penetrate our own personal hearts. Allowing Him to show us what it truly means to be Christ-like. You know, we we use that word all the time. Christ-like, Christ-like. That's not... Listen, this side of heaven, it is not called perfection. It just isn't. 
They just need to see Christ growing in you. That's all everybody needs to see around. And they do. People do need to see it. It's like, well, I'm not about everyone else. Well, I'm sorry if you're breathing, if you're alive, if you're here. um, You are impacting other lives. We need to take that seriously, especially as Christians. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. As fathers, we are to allow that in our own lives, first, that very thing, for the word of God to do that kind of work in our own lives, of sanctifying our lives. As we consecrate ourselves unto the Lord, separating ourselves for His service. As we do that, we allow Him to do that work of sanctification in our own lives. Sometimes God loves us with a tough love, no? He allows us to go through certain things. And you know what? That's okay. Because He is sovereign. He knows all things. And God is good. All the time. But remember that it's with this love that he perfects us. That is, he matures us. It's a pure love. It's a righteous love. It's a holy love. He disciplines those whom he loves. He doesn't leave us as orphans, and neither should we do that with our own children regarding the word of God. So our first priority should be to allow him to be Lord of our lives so that we can confidently and diligently teach that to our children. This is what he says. And me, I'm, I'm totally submitted and surrendered to him. What, 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 a, what an example that is to our children. First things first, your relationship with the Lord. You shall is what the commandment is here. Now teach practically. Yeah, don't overthink this. You know, it's like, ah, oh, I got to prepare a lesson and... Uh, Ah, I've never really done this. And and then you never start. <laughs> because you didn't, you didn't get your dry eraser board and, and you didn't have handouts for all your kids and, you know, you don't have all that. And so, do nah, you know what? Just take it slow, nice and easy. You can do it in very practical ways. And just in one day, you can take advantage of God-given divine opportunities and teach them a few things. Talk, bind, and write. Well, what does this mean? It means that you're looking for opportunities to share God's word with your children. That's all it means. Talk, speak to your children. You can text them too, but talk to your children. Sometimes it's that way that you get their attention, huh? Talk to your children. Speak to them about the word of God all the time when you sit, when you walk, when you lie down. That means basically the bottom line, all the time. Look for opportunities to to speak into them the very word of God. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Can we all agree that the days are evil? Okay. You know the suicide rate among teenagers is continuing to rise. You know that? I mean, suicide is talked about just like it's no big deal. In fact, there was this one young girl that was just um, 
she was just held responsible for encouraging her boyfriend to commit suicide by texting. Go ahead, do it. And she even like encouraged him, should I do this or should I do it that way? And she, she gave suggestions as to how. Suicide is, is out there. There's, there's a cutting. There's all kinds of things that are out there. And it's all screaming for the attention of the parents. We need to stand up, not to allow them to um, take advantage. Because I'll tell you what, kids will toe the line. In fact, they'll try and push it so far to see if they have someone who will stand up for them. There is security and love that is given to a child when you do not allow them to cross the line that they're not supposed to cross. That's biblical. Kids are, are in our hands. We're, we're stewards of our kids. That's all we are. Our children need godly wisdom and direction. And they look to their parents to guide them on the right path. Redeem the moments that God gives you with your children because they are opportunities to pour God's word into them. What will guide, what will keep and add life to them in difficult times? The good times, okay. But it's in those difficult times when you've poured into them that word, that godly wisdom, oh, that'll keep them, that'll guide them, that'll, that'll keep them close to the Lord. That's really who you want them close to, is the Lord. Because when you're gone, when you're not there, when they, when they don't have you at their fingertips, where do they run to? themselves I'd be a dangerous person if I was reliant on myself life itself affords us opportunities and situations to give them wise counsel according to scripture so bind allow your actions to serve as examples of doing what you're teaching there's no better teacher than to demonstrate God's word in practical ways. Simple opportunities throughout the day. Your hands and your vision should be marked with the action the word speaks about. Our children, like I've been saying, learn by watching us. We serve as examples. Right. So I know perhaps you have a Sharpie just on the doorpost of your home. Just start writing out scripture. Uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven is, I'm just kidding. You guys okay? You guys with? <laughs> I'm not encouraging graffiti in your home. That wouldn't be fun though. Um, now, but this, this is what it is. Okay, so as your children go out into the world, that means even going through those doors, they should be reminded that your home serves the king and his word goes out with them. It's when you live the Christian life inside and outside your home that your children will do the same. It's like, oh, it's, it's, it's written all over. This is, this is our life. It's not just compartmentalized in this place or in that place. It's written on our very hearts. As we go out, it's everywhere. He is everywhere. He is with us. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And the question is, of course, is your home marked with God's word? That's really important. So 
I'm going to wrap it all up here. The first three words that we went over is learn, do, and keep. Be a student of the Word of God. Be a person of action in your faith. Walk it out. Keep, that means abide in God's truth and His Word. Practically speaking, we speak the Word of God to others, to our children. We live it out in our lives and we allow His Word to govern our lives entirely. Not just in certain circumstances, but in all circumstances. Not just in the good times, but also in the not-so-good times. That our children, as we leave them, we leave something that's worthwhile, that's truly a legacy that will benefit them for the rest of their natural lives as well as their eternal lives. Because in its core, as I've begun, in its core, the Word of God always points to Jesus Christ. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. And God the Father sent God the Son to die on the cross in your place, in my place. The Word tells us there's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And God st- demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, we were still his enemies. Christ died for us. And through the cross and the, raising, the, the rising of the Son from the grave, he was victorious over sin and he conquered death. That ultimately is, is who we're pointed to. Jesus Christ. He is the one true, personal, living God. That's ultimately who we're pointing our kids to. I tell you, I say this over and over and over again, it truly does not matter what my kids are doing as long as I hear that they're walking in the truth. It doesn't matter. I don't, I don't care. Why? Because the most important thing to me are their souls. The most important thing to me is to know that they are saved in walking with the Lord. Everything else, oh, we can work with. But that one thing is truly the most important. That, again, is a legacy worth leaving. I want to talk about, quickly in closing, Lois and Eunice. This was a grandmother and mother of Timothy, the young protege of the Apostle Paul. I love you, fathers, but... Let me tell you that if you don't stand up, I pray for all you mothers and grandmothers that you'd be willing to step in and be this grandmother and mother. Again, not just maybe to your children, but to others around you. I love a church to where we have young and we have old, everything in between. That's what a church is. In fact, in Jude... It talks about the older teaching the younger. Not just the older women, but the older men teaching the younger. Remember that we are a father-like figure. We are a mother-like figure to those around us. In the Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, it says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I'm sure, dwells in you as well. That's awesome. That's, again, a legacy worth leaving right there. 
three generations of passing on a legacy of godly wisdom, we're still talking about Timothy. It was worth the effort. When we teach our children, it is preparing them to walk in the abundant life in Christ, in whatever circumstances they may experience. Teaching them to follow Christ and to cling to Him no matter what. I pray that for you, and I pray that for our children. And I pray that you are, again, encouraged and understand what it is that the Lord is telling us this morning. That we need to rise up in the strength of the Lord, not in our own strength. That we need to be courageous as, as fathers and as mothers. That we need to walk in the faith. We need to teach diligently the truth of God's word to our children. It is for their sake, and it is our responsibility. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us, Lord, the strength and the consistency to walk our faith out each and every day of our lives. Lord, forgive us as we have fallen short. I'm sure. I know myself, I have. My brothers and sisters perhaps would agree by saying amen that they have as well. We do ask for your forgiveness for your word tells us that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, it doesn't serve to condemn us, it serves to convict us. As we are convicted by your spirit, it leads to repentance, which leads to life. And So I pray, Lord, that you would teach us to live out that abundant life in Christ. That in so doing, we would correct, perhaps, the way in which we live our lives. That we would speak to those around us your very word. That we would demonstrate to them what it means to walk out our faith in you. That they may see that we love you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, with all of our might that we would love you and you would be honored and blessed and glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.